Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone. Thank you for being here. And if you're a guest, thank you for coming today. So thankful you chose to, to worship with us today. I want to go ahead and draw your attention to 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we're going, the text that we'll be looking at today, verses 1 through 6. We'll be reading that in a moment. As you're turning there, I was reminded this morning, uh, just in preparation, just personally getting ready, I was reminded about uh, my kids when they were young. And my, my kids, when, when it came time for the birthday or Christmas, uh, they were always making, I mean, they, they had eye contact on that gift, that present. I don't know about parents, your kids, but well, that, that day gets fast approaching. They get excited about the gift. They get excited about the opening of that gift as they can't wait to see what's inside, what awaits them. And so many times I, I think that when we come to this time of worship, we come to our faith in Christ Many times uh, God's saying, hey, I want you to be like that kid. I, we need to, Jesus said we need to have a childlike faith. And uh, just as a child would get excited about opening that gift, I think as born-again believers, we forget what awaits us. We forget what Christ has enabled us to have. We forget that gift of salvation that how it's going to be unfolded at the resurrection, how when we are going to be in the presence of Christ one day and we are going to become just as he is. And we, not only has the penalty for our sins been paid through Christ, and not only has the power of Christ uh, given, been given to us to overcome sin right now in our everyday lives, but one day we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. In other words, this old sinful world's going to be done. Jesus has a new heaven and a new earth awaiting uh, born-again believers. And, and we many times forget what this salvation looks like. And, and so I, this morning, I've just been beside myself because I've just been excited about what is to come. And when I remember what is to come, as I look at what I'm dealing with in everyday life, it makes it just pale in comparison. And so as we remember the sacrifice, we then can remember the life we're called to live. We're going to take a moment, and I don't want to over-spiritualize Memorial Day weekend, but it is a time of remembrance, remembering those who have sacrificed their lives uh, that we might uh, have a freedom that we can enjoy and live in. It is a tremendous price that has been paid that we might be free. But now this ought to just move us. As we remember those this weekend who have given the ultimate sacrifice, it ought to move us to the one who has given the ultimate sacrifice that we might be saved from sin. Amen. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as a church, we ought to be encouraged in that. So as we're watching this video, we remember the sacrifice that has been made that we might be a free country. And it should move us to live life in a certain way as we remember. That we would honor, that we would respect, that we'd be appreciative, we'd be thankful, and then that would encourage us to live in such a way that we protect this freedom, okay? As we remember Memorial Day weekend, but and those who have given their all, but may it move us further. May this just be an example that as we remember the sacrifice of Christ, we then can remember how we're called to live, okay? Let's, let's watch this video for a moment.
honor, character, commitment, sacrifice, price that has been paid, a dear price. May we never forget what has been given us. And may we fight for that. May we live in such a way that we remember the sacrifice. And as, um, as we are walking through the text, uh, as you think, on the, remember on the video, this, this sense of honor? You see that? Displayed honor for those who were fallen. As we walk through the text, may we live in such a way that we honor this Savior who died for us. May it just be a, an example today. May this just be an example for us and how we're to live for the King. Let's stand in honor of God's Word, if you would. Be reading verses 1 through 6, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached, even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the blessing of eternal life. Lord, I, I just have to submit that sometimes we forget the magnitude of your sacrifice. Sometimes we forget the dear price that you have paid for the penalty of our sins. As Jason prayed earlier, it pleased God to pour the wrath of God out on his son, Jesus Christ, that through him the penalty might be paid, that we through faith in Christ could have forgiveness of sin. But oh God, if that was the course of action that a people might be saved, what is left for those who reject Christ? Simply judgment. For all, we're all on that path of perishing. It is not until we trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins that we are rescued, that we appropriate that saving faith. We're rescued for the wrath to come. And Lord, we are brought into this incredible relationship with you. We're saved from our sin, the penalty and the power in one day, the presence of sin. Lord, there is so much that awaits us. Now, Lord, when we remember what you have done for us, what you're doing now, we remember what awaits us, it gives us a, an ability to see how we're to live in this life. Lord, I pray that it be very clear today that the word of God would awaken our souls to the reality of sin and the price that was paid for that sin and our need for salvation. And Lord, that beyond that, that we'd understand the life that we're to live in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen. I want to remind you of some things as we're walking through this. One, that when we remember the sacrifice, we remember how to live. There were several years ago, I was doing a wedding for some Marine and his wife, bride-to-be. And so the groom was a Marine and his groomsmen were Marines as well. And we're in the back hallway getting ready to walk in. And those men began to talk with a language 
that uh, was uncomfortable for the groom because he, he was a he was believer. He was he was a Christian, and he knew that. Uh, well, the pastor's here with me, and the language that's coming out of these guys' mouths is not appropriate. And I just simply asked this question. I said, "Guys, have you uh, have you ever had any uh, fellow Marines who have died uh, in battle, harm's way?" And they said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Would you ever allow anyone to desecrate?" their memory. Would you ever allow anyone to speak poorly of that individual? What would you, oh yeah, no, we would never allow that. We would honor those brothers and sisters who've fallen. Um, And so I just simply asked this question. Uh, Guys, um, do you know what this place represents, this church, this building? It represents the body of Christ. It represents a king who died that I might be free. What we say, what we do, is to honor him. And right away, you could see their expression, the change on their face. You could see all of a sudden they just began to stiffen up and remember. You see, when we remember the sacrifice, we remember how to live. And for you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ, Today, as we're walking through this text, we we remember the sufferings of Christ. We remember what he did that we might be free. We remember the penalty that he paid for us. And then we remember the life we're called to. It helps us. It encourages us. It reminds us that we, the way we live, the way we talk, think, say, and do, all of those things are to honor Christ. And so when we step into this passage uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, right away we see, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, he says, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. This suffering of Christ, when we walk through this letter, we we can go back to chapter 1, we see right away in verse 3 and 4, the suffering of Christ and what it brought for us. God, the Father's great mercy, who caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is provided through that suffering, he's enabled us to be born again, saved from sin, and brought into the body of Christ. You go to verse 10, he speaks of this grace that is to come to us. It was spoken of through the prophets, the suffering that Christ would endure. You go on to verse 19, and he speaks of how we're redeemed by this precious blood of Christ. And then we get into chapter 2, verse 21, that as we've shared uh, many times up to this day and time, uh, this pattern of Christ where Peter would say to the church over and over and over again in this letter, remember the pattern of Christ that you are called to live out as well. You go to uh, verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, where he speaks to the wives, and then he speaks to the husbands in verse 7. Then he speaks to the whole congregation in verse 8. And then in verse 18, going back again, speaking of the sufferings of Christ and how God is. we were brought to God through that suffering of Christ. It is the suffering of Christ that has enabled us to be who we are today, being part of the body of Christ. Yet the focus is not on the suffering, okay? The suffering is what comes out of something else. Christ was obedient to the Father. Out of his obedience, what is the reaction of mankind? Persecution. The reaction of man to Christ was the cross. Now we know that in God's sovereign plan, that was how he would atone for the sins of the world. That through him being crucified, his sacrifice paid the penalty for our sins. 
but it's the response of the character of God. Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, Christ, the character of God on display, one who is totally obedient without sin, who is living in honor and obedience to God the Father, the world's reaction to him was to persecute. And in this verse, what do we have? We have a phrase that's repeated twice, suffered in the flesh, Christ who suffered in the flesh, and then he who suffered in the flesh. As Christ suffered in the flesh, out of obedience, what Peter's reminding the church is just as Christ suffered, you as well. What he's saying is the life of the born-again believer, as you are obedient to Christ, following God's word, following that pattern of Christ, do not be surprised if it brings about a suffering and a persecution. The world's response to you being obedient, as Christ suffered, you as well may suffer in the flesh. And so he says in that verse, verse 1, he says, uh, he uses a term, it's called, where he says, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. That word arm yourselves, it means to get something ready. It means to equip with something. It it indicates a military uh, act. And so what he's saying here is that you need to get ready. You need to arm yourselves. You need to equip yourself for the possibility to suffer that you may be persecuted. When you say purpose, armed with the same purpose, what does he mean there? That word purpose, this intention, it is this act of your will. It is a mindset that you're to have. In like fashion of Christ, you as well, arm yourselves with this same purpose. Get yourself ready, get your mind ready with what may come as you live out your faith in Christ. Now this being a a military term, we, we have to, to look at what is, what's the big picture here. What is going on here? What is Peter looking at? What's he talking about? Well, as we said, Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the character of God on display. A man who is totally man, totally God, living out, living out righteousness. In Christ, the Word made flesh, he is obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, and out of his death, burial, and resurrection, he brings many to God, it, and he has revealed his, the character of God through his life. Yet we know what? He was rejected by men. Suffering and persecution came to him. That was his life, and then Christ, uh, in this life that we're living, we've got to understand the battle that we are in. We've got to understand Uh, what is happening in our lives, what we are a part of. We know that uh, in the the Lord's prayer, Jesus said to the disciples, uh, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the picture here? We have Christ who came into the world. He is the Savior of the world. In Genesis to Matthew and moving on to Revelation, there's a story of this king who is coming, who has come, and who has died and is going to come again. It is a movement of God. It's God's story and his dealing with mankind. And God is moving in one direction, and we've been brought into this battle for the salvation of the souls of men and women. We are a part of this battle. There's an enemy who is waging war 
war against Christ and who will do everything he can to destroy the witness and the character of Christ in the body of Christ. There's a battle that's going on, and Scripture constantly makes us aware of that. So in the Lord's Prayer, there's a part, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. Just take a moment and look in Scripture. Be reminded in text of God's Word how many times that word bread is used to represent Christ. He says, uh, if you want to be a part of me, you need to take, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He is the bread come down out of heaven. He, when we observe the Lord's Supper, what do we do? We partake of the bread. What, what Jesus is saying, I believe in that text in the Lord's Prayer, is that in order for the kingdom of God to come to manifest itself here on earth... As it is in heaven, we need to partake of the bread of heaven. We know that we need Jesus Christ to do a work in our lives and through our lives in order for that kingdom to be manifested here on earth. We need Jesus. We can't do it without him. And so God is able, as we cry out to a holy God, God, would you do that work in me, that you, uh, through me, in me and through me, your kingdom can be manifested here on earth. That's why as the body of Christ, what do we do? We come together to encourage one another to love and good deeds. We come together to remember the sacrifice. And, we, and we're just coming together to celebrate the life that we have in Christ. So that when we leave this place, we're going out into the world and sharing Jesus Christ, knowing that as we go out, what may happen? We may suffer, we may be persecuted because there will be those who will not fall in line with the character of God and they will despise that character. It's a battle. Uh, Paul told Timothy that uh, talked about being a good soldier in the faith. He, he calls him out. He says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may do what? Please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. He's saying we, we've got to have this soldier mindset. We are in this spiritual battle. There are men and women who need Jesus Christ, and he's going to use us to bring that message to them. And the enemy will fight against that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul uh, spoke about the weapons of our warfare. They're not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. When you go to Ephesians 6, you see where Paul tells the church, put on the full armor of God. Over and over again, we see this battle mindset, this soldier mindset that we are to engage in life in that manner, in that fashion. God is moving in one direction, brothers and sisters. He is moving towards the return of Christ. He's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And in the meantime, we have the privilege and the honor to represent him. I, I like to boil it down to something really simple. Because if God's moving in one direction, I, I like simple terms. I, I'm just a simple guy. And so I like to put it, you could, you could put our life in this just two little things. It's all about meeting Christ and then representing Christ. That's it in a nutshell. That's what we have today. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to make sure that you've met Christ. We want to make sure that you know Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, that he died for you, that you might be saved from your sins and be brought into the family of God. We are the main thing, meet Christ. Thereafter, what is it? We represent Christ. So just as we remember, just as we saw that remembrance today in the video, we need to remember Christ and represent him, honor his life with our lives.
And so everything I think, say, and do, everything that I'm about needs to be about honoring Christ, representing Christ. So meet Christ, represent Christ. That is our life. That's the only agenda that we're to be about. God's moving in one direction, and that's the call of God on our lives. Now know that as God is moving in this direction, the return of Christ, his son, to establish his kingdom here on earth, guess what? Uh, if he's moving in that direction, I need to be moving with him, right? Okay, so here's, here's the problem that we run into. As God's moving in this direction, the body of Christ is going with him. We're being obedient. We're following him, obeying him. Guess what we tend to do? Here's the temptation. You know what? I think I'll make a detour. I think I'll get off on this exit ramp. Maybe go down the feeder road. Maybe I'll just go over here on the county road, and I like to do my thing for a while. And so we go off. We think about what we want to do. We want to, what is my life? What do I want to do with my life? And we get off of that one direction mindset. We take that exit ramp. We're over here doing life on our own. And so all of a sudden, we're, we're not worried about representing Christ. Well, this is my life. And so we're doing things as we want to do, and all of a sudden, things just start to fall apart. All of a sudden, things aren't lining out the way they need to. All of a sudden, I'm losing that peace. All of a sudden, I'm losing the joy of the Lord. All of a sudden, maybe confusion and chaos. Well, I don't really know how to face life with this. And, and then I've hear, I hear some people that they get to that place and they go, well, pastor, I just can't hear God anymore. Well, pastor, things just don't make sense. Well, pastor, I, I just, my heart is in turmoil. Well, pastor, I just don't understand life. Now I'm confused. Well, did you ever stop to think about it? You've been going this direction and God's going this direction. It's not God that changed. It's not God that left. You just detoured off of the highway, off the direction in which God is moving. Is it any wonder your life doesn't make sense? Is it any wonder that your life is falling apart? Is it any wonder that you can't find direction and the peace of God in your life? Because you've detoured, you've stepped away from what God says your life is to look like. You're no longer obedient to the word of God. You're in rebellion to the word of God. And church, many times that's what happens in the body of Christ. We got brothers and sisters, uh, they just kind of took that exit ramp. You ever, you ever drive in Houston in the traffic and you backed up, bumper to bumper. You're on that highway, and you're like, man, this is so frustrating. Oh, you know what I'll do? We have this bright idea. I'm going to get on the feeder road. And I get on the feeder road, and it's chaotic. It's crazy. And you go, what in the world did I? And what do we do? We look for a way to get back on the highway. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's, that's where we may find ourselves today. We made a little detour. We got off the exit ramp, and, and we realized that, no, 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 I, I need to be moving in the same direction as God is. I need to have that mindset. And he's saying here, arm yourself with the same purpose. What he's saying is that you need to get it fixed in your heart and mind. As you obey Christ, the world may not like it. Well, how do I know that? Let's go back to the text. He said, arm yourselves with the same purpose. Just as Christ, he was prepared to suffer in the flesh. You yourselves need to prepare for that because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What he is saying there in the last part of that verse is, let's be very clear, that the one who has suffered in the flesh, what he has said is he's got his agenda where it needs to be. He's got in line, he's got in the same direction that God's moving, honoring Christ with his or her life. And so here's what happens. Because I have aligned myself in the same direction, the evidence is that the world may become hostile toward me. And so I have, when he says, cease from sin, I am no longer living my life to satisfy the desires of the flesh. I'm wanting to satisfy God 
in him alone and live for him. And so that's what it means by he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You're giving evidence that your agenda really comes out of his agenda. So as to live the rest of the time, verse two, in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. In that verse two, what he is saying there is that, uh, you know that life of fulfilling those fleshly human desires? Uh, He's saying, no, no. Now, once you've met Christ... Now my focus, I'm very intentional about how my, I live my life in Christ. Uh, I've met Christ and now I want to represent Christ. Uh, he says, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. I've determined in my mind and in my heart, he's the one. It is his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so I'm engaging in that. And so I'm going to live for the will of God, not the will of man or fulfilling those lustful desires. But in verse 3, Look in verse 3. He says, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. And then he gives this list uh, of the desire of the Gentiles. In today's time, uh, we can relate totally to this. He's saying, Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. He's saying, This life before Christ, these desires of the flesh, you know, before you met Christ, that's enough. If you wanted just one word to fit that part of the verse, it's enough. Enough. And so for the born-again believer who's met Christ and now is to represent Christ, Peter's saying to the church, that was sufficient. Before you met Christ, hey, that's enough of that. Now it's a different life. Now it's honoring Christ. Now it's representing Christ it was sufficient. That time before you met, that it is settled, it's done. Now I must be intentional about the way I live my life for Christ. In that day and time, in the Greco, Greco-Roman world, uh, some, of those, some of those sins, some of those lusts were acceptable. And some, uh, some were, even in that world, they would go, whoa, 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 that's over the top. Peter's saying enough of that. Not so for the born-again believers. So when you move into verse 4, in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation. All this carousing, all this drunkenness, all this satisfying the lust of the flesh, these human desires, because you're seeing this contrast, human desire and the will of God. He's saying, in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them. That's a literal interpretation, run with them. Now, this the word that you really need to key in on here is surprised. They are surprised. Interesting word. It's a word that, that really in the, in the context means it, it's strange to them. Your behavior, your decision to follow Christ, the way you're living your life, they are surprised. It is strange to them that you would be acting in that way. And what does it produce in them, the desire for them? When they, they see this as strange, they then malign you. What's going on there? Well, there's a tension. There's a tension that's going on there. As you were a part of satisfying the human desires, your flesh, the lust of the flesh, you're engaging in that activity with non-believers, uh, it was, everything was okay. But the moment you met Christ, now all of a sudden there's a conflict. And then there, there's some, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What brought about this change? What's different with you? What's different in you, about you. Why don't you want to do the things that, that we do? Uh, years ago, well, it's been over 30 years now, it was back uh, before I, I decided to go into ministry, I was running with some guys that were, they were bad dudes. Uh, 
uh, they, it, it was, uh, well, I was just involved in a life that wasn't acceptable. Um, so one of the, I'm, I, man, I come out of that rebellion and I'm excited about my faith and I'm making changes in my life, but I'm still hanging out with those guys, but I'm not doing what they're doing. And I'll never forget one day, one of my friends, who I thought was a friend, he, he, he came up to me and he said, what are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? He said, why are you here? What do you mean why am I here? We're buds, man. We run, we run together, right? We, we, yeah, we hang out all that. You know, I'm the designated driver now. He goes, no, you don't get it. He goes, you don't do what we do now. You've changed. And you need to understand. I, and it was just a matter of fact. He's pretty, really blunt to the point. He said, you need to understand, I don't want you here. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you don't want me here? All we've been through? He said, I don't want you here because when you don't do what we do, it makes me uncomfortable. And I don't like it. And I don't want to do what you're doing. I don't want to live for Jesus. As a matter of fact, he went on to say, I don't really care about living for Jesus. And so it wasn't too long after that I was like, well, I think it's time for me to exit this scene. I need to find some new friends. And so that word surprised, strange, it's a word that means there's a tension that comes about. And, and now here, now you got to catch this, okay? Our tendency as human beings, okay, this is statistical. This is even in secular science, they've they've figured this out, okay? Our number one desire as human beings is uh, to stay away from pain the fear of pain. We want to do everything we can to avoid this fear of pain, okay? That's our number one reaction in life. We do everything we can, okay? Second to that, okay, just after that, is this, then we move towards pleasure, okay? We move towards pleasure. So in the world we live in, they figured that much out, okay? It's really biblical. They're catching up with the Bible, okay? So here's what it means. So in the context of this verse, this, they're surprised that you don't run with them and they malign you. Here's what's going on. So conviction sets in. They're not living for Christ. Now you're living for Christ. Or let, let's put this in the context. Let's just, let's just make it very personal. Can we get personal? Okay, we're going to get personal. Uh, I didn't, you didn't nod either way. So we're going, that means we're going. Pastor's going here, okay? All right. So you hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You, you, man, you hear the word. And all of a sudden in your heart, you know, mm, God's really wanting me to say yes to him. Now, if I don't say yes, there's that conviction. And, and I'm seeing the friends that I run with. I see the way I live. And, and if I change, well, that may be a little painful. Now, I want to avoid that pain, so what do I do? I just kind of back off. No, I just, that's all right. I'm going to back off. I don't want to go there. Because that change may produce some results that I'm not happy with. Now, the conviction's there. I know I need to say yes to Jesus. That conviction's there. But, but I don't like that conviction. I don't like what may come with repentance. In other words, me changing direction and going with Jesus. Getting on that one direction life, right? And so, I want to feel good. I want to experience some pleasure. So, I'm going to hang out with people that think the way I do. I'm going to hang out with people that aren't really worried about living for Jesus. I'm going to hang out with some folks that I won't feel conviction. And so then I can start feeling better 
about myself. Yet all the while below the surface, what's going on? Man, the Holy Spirit of God's back there talking. And he's wearing you out. Because God loves you. Jesus loves you. And if you're a born-again believer and you're living life that way, make no mistake, he is faithful. He disciplines those he loves. So if you're not a believer and the word of God is back here convicting and speaking and saying, come to Christ, have faith in Christ, ask for forgiveness of sin, be saved from your sin, get into the body, of Christ. let the Holy Spirit put you in the body of Christ and live life in Christ and be saved from sin and on and on and on, that message of hope, right? If you're an unbeliever, Holy Spirit's there wearing you. I mean, he is drawing, he's convicting, but your tendency in the flesh was, ooh, I need to, I need to back off from this, back off, back off, because if I go there, if I go there, I may not like the results. But if you're a believer, if you're a born-again believer, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you're in rebellion, or you're being stubborn and hard-headed and all those things that I'm really good at as your pastor. And back there, the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is just speaking to you. Come on. Come on. Get back on the path. It's only one direction. There's only one agenda. Come on. Get back on the highway. And that conviction's there. If you're sitting here today and you're going, no, no, I don't want to go there. It means change. It means there may be some things that I may have to suffer in the flesh. You hear what Peter's saying to the church? Now, God, when we say yes to God, we say yes to Christ, and we say we want to be obedient like Christ was. And we're going to say, I want to be about obedience regardless of what comes my way. Now, we're going to see in Scripture where Peter would say to the church that that one who's enduring that hardship, that suffering, the glory of Christ rests upon that person. The Spirit of Christ walks with you through that suffering person. He doesn't leave you alone to suffer through that on your own. In fact, we have the body of Christ to come alongside one another, right? And so God is able to give us the ability to endure and follow through. And so I just wanted to highlight that word, surprised. Because many times that's what we see in the church and in, in everyday life. Uh, now, let me, another application point, okay? If our number one tendency is to avoid pain, and we have this fear of pain, we want to avoid pain, but we want to seek pleasure, is it any wonder, is it any wonder that's why people don't want to lead? Because leadership costs. It, it, you're going to have to pay the price. Christ paid a tremendous price as the head of the church. The church belongs to him. And so as a leader, whether it be in the marriage, in the family, as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, uh, in our community, is it any wonder that leaders, if they take that approach that I want to avoid pain, if I want to, I want to avoid the price, the cost of great leadership, and so I'm just not going to go there. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I'm going to have to deny, deny myself. I'm going to have to crucify, crucify my flesh. I'm going to have to focus on Christ, and on and on and on. Is it any wonder that's why we don't have leaders in the church? Because people aren't willing to pay the price. So Paul, Peter, excuse me, Peter's just highlighting. This is the life for us. I've had, over the years, I've had people really uh, just say, you know, pastor, we, we need to be like the early church, and, and we need to get back to that first century church. The way they did it in the Bible, and I said, be careful. Be very careful what you say. Because 
the way we do church today is not like they did it in the early church. In fact, this suffering in the flesh, that was a part of everyday life in the early church. They expected it. They anticipated it. Today, do we get very excited about persecution? No, we don't. But the mindset in the early church, the apostles, the early church, they, they praised God in the suffering. They, they, they were, we are blessed to be considered worthy by God, to suffer for the name of Christ. You see the mindset, the difference? You see, today we're more concerned about satisfying the flesh than overcoming the flesh. Today we're more about our agenda than God's agenda. And so in this passage, he says, in all this, they're surprised that you do not run with them. And so what's their response? They malign you. They tear you down. But Peter addresses that. He says, verse 5, but they will give account, those who are maligning, those who are tearing down, those who are persecuting you, those who are bringing about the suffering in your life, they will give account to someone. Who is the someone? Him, Christ, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That ready is a word that brings, it means imminent. It is at any moment. You understand, at any moment, Christ may come on the scene and settle all the accounts. And they'll have to give an account for how they treated his bride, the church, the living and the dead. Uh, it's interesting that when he says living and the dead, what he's saying there is whether you're alive or dead, no one escapes judgment. No one escapes judgment. Uh, in fact, it's interesting that many people do everything they can to avoid death, not because they're worried about the pain, not because they're worried about the end, they're worried about what awaits them on the other side. There's this within us. There's this thought, this idea that we just can't escape. Something awaits us on the other side. Scripture is very clear. It's judgment. And if you don't have, if you haven't been saved, if you're not covered by the blood of Christ, the only thing that awaits you is judgment. And in verse 6, for the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. That word judge, same word in verse 5, ready to judge, krino. Verse 6, uh, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, same word, there's a judgment in both, both verses that are being spoken of. But in verse 5, it's those who are persecuting you are going to be judged by God. In verse 6, those who are being persecuted by mankind, in other words, you're judged in the flesh. Mankind has judged you as not acceptable. Your behavior is not acceptable to the world. Therefore, they're persecuting you, and yes, they may even kill you. So in verse 6, when he says, um, has been preached even to those who are dead, those individuals who were obedient to Christ and who suffered persecution even to the point of death, that they would die, yet they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. The Spirit of God speaking to the Spirit of man, salvation, and death is not the end. Even though they may kill us, even though this life may expire, Christ is overcome. What, what awaits the believer is this life in Christ. Spiritually, we, the, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with whom? The Lord. They can't stop God. And one day, one day this physical body 
shall be resurrected. And I'll get a new body. It'll be just like Christ. Now, for the believer, who can hurt us? Who can really hurt us? Christ has won. So the issue today, are you moving in the same direction with God? Are you moving in obedience to Christ? Or have you exited the ramp? Maybe you've never even got on the highway. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't know you as my Savior. Today, I know I need to trust you as my Savior and ask you to forgive me of my sins that I might be saved and brought into the body of Christ and know that I have this gift of eternal life awaiting me. Maybe that's where you are today. You've never done that. you never walked through that. And God's saying, come right now. This is the time. That's you, maybe. Or maybe as a brother, sister in Christ, you've been rebellious. You've got off the exit ramp. You're not living for Christ. You're not moving in the same direction. You're doing everything you can, can to avoid the pain and the suffering of being obedient to Christ. Yet you're trying to figure out how to keep yourself happy and nothing's working. You're failing on every point. And God would say to you through the word of God, come home. Stop the rebellion. Get in line with me and let's move in the same direction while you wait for my son to return. Amen? So um, I know as your pastor, I fail miserably. I miss the mark daily, okay? So I, I'm, I'm at the front of the line going, you know what? Today I need to spend some time in prayer again. Already have this morning, early this morning. But even I, I know I miss it. So we all are in the same boat, right? So let's just respond to the Spirit of God as he's speaking to our hearts Let's be obedient and let's get right with him. Uh, Jason and the worship team would come and they're going to lead us in a song. Um, I'll be down front. Alan will be down front. Or there may be someone that you're here with that you want to pray with, whatever the case may be. But let's don't miss this opportunity uh, to make sure our hearts are right with God. Amen? Let's stand. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our time together. Lord, we pray that in this time, as we sing this song and we worship you, Lord, maybe we examine our hearts and just ask that question. Lord, am I moving in the same direction that you're moving? Lord, if I've deviated, if I've gotten off the exit ramp, if I'm going down the frontage road or something, I'm not on the same highway with you, Lord, in my life. Lord, if I've, if I've made that detour, that change, Lord, help me to make things right. Help me to get back onto that road, that highway, moving with you, in just in tandem with you, Lord. May we just, Lord, let me get things right, right here cry out to you and ask for forgiveness. Lord, whatever the case may be, you know our hearts. I can't describe all the situations. You know our motives, our thoughts, our acts. You know everything. So I just trust, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to each individual. And Lord, help us to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jason.